Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Years ago, I was I walked into a Walmart in um, in Louisiana, and I was walking through the pet section, which I never do. So I don't know why I was doing it at this particular time. But as I was walking through the pet, pet section, I, I, I was passing by the, the goldfish, you know, uh, aquarium or whatever you call them, fish tanks. And, uh, and, and I'm passing by and I saw a sign next to them that said, money back, three-day money back guarantee, no questions asked. And I'm like, wow, get a goldfish and... and uh, and if it dies to you in day one, you just take it back and get another one. You know, that's a pretty, pretty good guarantee, right? Now, honestly, when I saw that sign, immediately my thoughts went to earlier in life, my life, when we had gotten some goldfish. And I like, I wish I would have known about the money back three-day guarantee, you know, no questions asked. Because we got goldfish and within three days they died. And so I didn't know why they died. I just figured we're just not fish people. Maybe, maybe goldfish were like offended that they were in this little tiny thing. I don't know. And so somebody that knows about goldfish came up to me later and says, oh, well, it's because you overfed them. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty analytical. I've engineering background. And so I'm thinking, so fish have like been around since the beginning of time. And they have experienced a lot of stuff through the evolutionary chain. Certainly, they've learned when to stop eating. <laughs> right? How could I possibly overfeed a fish? Certainly, they would learn when they should stop eating. But evidently, fish have not really learned that in the evolutionary process. And so, they, they died. And I didn't, I didn't take advantage of the three-day no-questions-asked guarantee because I didn't know about the three-day no-questions-asked guarantee. But wouldn't it be great if... Everything had that kind of guarantee? Like how many of you have broken the screen on your cell phone like within a week of getting your cell phone? Yeah, there's like some, some very shy, you know, me, that was me, <laughs> right? Wouldn't it be great, I have T-Mobile now, wouldn't it be great for me to walk into T-Mobile after, you know, I walked out and I'm getting in my car and it falls, to the, I mean, so many times it's fallen to the, you know, to, to the parking lot. It falls to the parking lot and it cracks. And I just pick it up, walk back into T-Mobile, say, hey, I'm just getting in my car, drop the phone, it cracked. Can I get a new one, please? And they're like, yeah, no questions asked. Here you go. That would be great. It's a little bit dreaming, th dreaming but it would be great if that's the kind of game. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you brought something in that was dead and you walked out with something that was alive? Something was broken, busted, no good, and you came back with something brand new. In fact, I want us to do a little bit of a group exercise here this morning. I want you to think, I want you to think about something that you have right now that you would, in a heartbeat, replace it for something new, okay? Just be thinking, what is it what that could be? Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three, and then when I say three, you're just going to shout it out, okay? But so what, 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 what in your life right now that you have that is old and busted, maybe it's, you know, in a garage, you wish it wasn't there, maybe, it's, maybe you're thinking I need a new sofa, maybe you're thinking I need a new TV or a new car, your car is just a piece of junk, you know, or you need a new house, whatever, 
What, what could it possibly be that you feel like you need, if you could right now, if you had a no questions asked guarantee that you could take it in and you'd get a brand new one, what would that be, okay? Got it? All right, I'm going to count to three, and at the, at, when I say three, you just shout it out, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Okay, I heard a few things. I heard car, house. I think I heard husband over here. Uh, husband, yeah, I was definitely on this side over here. Husband, some, somebody said husband. There's only a few right there, so. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my, guess, my guess is if we really thought about this and we were honest with ourselves, we might have said something else other than TV or car or, or house. Like if we were really honest, if we were gut honest, we might really have said a husband or a wife. Might have said, I need a new job, man. I'm sick and tired of my job. Maybe you're having difficulty with your children, your teen children. I have four kids. They were at one time all teens. <laughs> they survived. We survived. <laughs> but maybe you're going through that and you're thinking, man, I just need a new kid. All the teenagers are laughing. <laughs> or maybe it's not so tangible as that. Maybe, maybe what you're feeling is that you need a new hope. Like after what we've gone through in the last year, you just feel hopeless. You, you just don't, you don't have faith in humanity. You don't have faith in politicians. You don't have faith in the economy. You don't have faith in anything. You just feel hopeless and you say, I need a new hope. Or maybe you say you, you need a new passion. Maybe you're feeling like, like I just, I'm just worn out. I'm tired. Life is just blah. I'm just going through the motions. I don't even feel like getting up in the morning. And you just need a new passion. Or maybe, or maybe if you're really honest, and there might be some of you here this morning, uh, you would say as you kind of assess your life, I just need to get rid of this disappointing life and get a brand new life. Maybe as you think about all the things that you've gone through in life, the sins that you've committed, the ways that you've hurt other people, the ways that you've been hurt, and you just assess your life, you look back and you say, man, I'm just disappointed in this life, and you would say probably, if I asked you that question again, what would you, what would you take in and trade it in for something new? That you would say, I just want a new life. Here's the cool thing. That's what Easter is all about. It's about God taking what is broken, old, busted, and dead. And no questions asked. Getting to trade that in for a brand new life. In fact, Jesus tells us in John chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He's, he's basically like, kind of like telling about his future resurrection and they're asking him a question about Lazarus and, Lazarus and how, you know, they know that Lazarus one day will be, will be alive again in heaven. He's dead now. And Jesus is telling him, no, 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 you got to understand, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe that, if you, if you truly believe that, then the one who believes in me will live even though they die, he says. Because Jesus came back to life, that means that anyone who dies who has believed in him will have a new life one day in heaven. 
So Easter really, the resurrection really is, it's kind of like a, a preview of, of a coming attraction. Because Jesus rose from the, from the grave and he's alive now, one day you too will be fully alive in eternity. That's true for us. Now I know there's a lot of, you know, Easter really is about the resurrection, but I know there's a lot of traditions, other traditions that kind of circle Easter. Like, I'm probably going to go home this afternoon, and there's going to be a bunch of grandkids at my house, and we're probably going to have an Easter egg hunt. Just, I'm just going to tell you, we're probably going to have an Easter egg hunt. But, uh, but that's not really about, Easter not, has nothing to do with Easter egg hunts, right? And then, like, there's the, the chocolate bunny. Just, I'm going to kind of clear the air here and make, just make things straight, the chocolate bunny is a scam. It's a scam. Young people, listen to me. Don't let your parents fool you. When I was 10 years old, my mom gave, a, gave, me, gave us a chocolate bunny. It was like an eight-inch tall chocolate bunny. Man, I was so excited because we didn't get chocolate very often in my house. I was so excited. I have chocolate for months, right? Is what I thought until I took a bite into it and it's hollow. And then, you know, my parents were like, well, it's kind of like the resurrection, you know. <laughs> the tomb is empty. So it's a scam. That's as close as that you could get with these other traditions to Easter. Easter really is all about the resurrection. And when we understand that, when we get that, when we get that Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. When you understand that, that because Jesus conquered the grave, he defeated death, that death is not an end in itself, it's a game changer for us. There's a pastor by the name of Mehdi Dibaj. I've got a picture of him. He's an Iranian pastor from the country of Iran. And in 1934, this man, in 1934, was born to a Muslim family in the country of Iran. And so uh, he grew up as a Muslim. Um, but he was just disenchanted. He felt lost. And then so when he was 16 years old, somebody preached the gospel to him. And at 16, he gave his life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. And when he accepted Jesus into his life, he decided, man, this is life transforming. This is life changing. And so he basically went all in for Jesus. He became an evangelist and then later a pastor. And he served for many years in ministry. Then if you recall... Uh, like recent history, in the late 70s, early 80s, Iran went through what's called the Islamic Revolution. And so the shahs, the kings of, of Iran, were basically ousted, and the people who took over power were the ayatollahs. They were basically religious leaders. And they instituted something called Sharia law, Islamic law. Part of Sharia law is this thing that if that if you convert from Islam, like if you're a Muslim, you're born a Muslim in Iran, and you convert from Islam, then you could be charged with a, a crime. It's a capital crime, too. You could be charged with a crime, the crime of apostasy. And so in 1983, this man right here, Mehdi Dibash, was arrested for the, for the crime, for the charge of apostasy. They put him in a cell. They, they say the cell was five foot by five foot by a cube. Five foot by five foot by five foot. Nine years in solitary confinement. Every once in a while, they'd take him out of the cell, and they would, uh, and they would you know, torture him and beat him and try to get him to recant his faith, and he wouldn't do it. 
And they put him back in the cell. So finally in 1993, on December 3rd of 1993, I, I remember clearly we were in Bangladesh at that time. And I remember hearing about this. Um, he stood trial. I have a, a copy in my Bible, I'll keep it in my Bible, of his testimony at the trial before the Ayatollahs when he was being tried for apostasy. And um, see, they went to trial, they were charging him with apostasy, and he made his defense. If you've never read his defense, you should. You should go online, find Meddi Dibaj, look it up, and, and it's just, it's amazing. I, I keep it in my Bible because every once in a while I have to read it to get perspective what it means to follow Christ. Because every once in a while, I start to feel a little bit entitled. Like, I have rights. Like, I, I, I should get what I want, right? And every once in a while, I've got to go back to that and realize, man, there are people who have had all rights stripped from them, and they still followed you, Jesus, all the way to the very end. And so, he gives his testimony before this, the court, and it was, it was very moving, it was very powerful, but still... These ayatollahs, they, they convicted him of apostasy and they sentenced him to death by hanging. There was this world outcry. I mean, the U.S. got involved, Europe, European countries got involved, and uh, they, they just told Iran, you better not do that. You cannot kill a man just because he says he's a Christian. And so <clears throat> they listened. They released him in January of 1994. Then on June, June 25th of that same year, 1994, he was on his way uh, home from a conference that he had gone to, and he never made it home. Two weeks later, they found his mutilated body, tortured body, and um, he had been murdered. And in many ways, they just felt like this man could not get away with that, so they, they killed him. I was reading through his court testimony this past week, and I, I want to share with you the last paragraph. It's incredibly powerful. <clears throat> He says, Jesus is our Savior, and he is the Son of God. Now, I, don't, I wasn't there, obviously, and I don't know how he actually said this, but I imagine that when he's standing before the Ayatollahs, he made a big emphasis on he is the Son of God, because in Islam, that's blasphemy to say that. He probably used the word for God in, in Persian, which is Allah, well, Allah is in Arabic and Persian is Koda. He probably used that, I don't know. But he said he is the son of God. He stood his ground. He goes, to know him, to have a relationship with this God, means to know eternal life. So what Jesus said in John 11, that I am the resurrection and the life, Medi Dibash is saying, yes, I totally embrace that. I totally agree with what Jesus said. He knows eternal life. I have committed my life into his hands, he says. Life, for me, is an opportunity to serve him. In other words, if I'm alive, I'm going to serve him. Death is a better opportunity to be with Christ. Therefore, I am not only satisfied to be in prison for the honor of his holy name. Earlier in this testimony, he talks about thanking, he thanks the Ayatollahs for this opportunity of being in prison. Because he's been able to spend more time in communion and fellowship with his Lord. This is crazy. Therefore, I'm not only satisfied to be in prison for the honor of his holy name, but I am ready to give my life for the sake of Jesus, my Lord, and enter his kingdom sooner. And I submit to you that you don't say this, you don't ever say this without the promise of Easter. You cannot 
say this without the promise of Easter. If you do not know what's after death, if you're not certain, if to you it's like, well, we'll see. Well, I'm throwing the dice. You would never say anything like this. You can only say something like this if you know that you know that you know that Jesus is alive and that there's an eternity for you in heaven with him. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O grave, is your sting? I like how the message paraphrases this. It says, death, who's afraid of you now? It's kind of like I could just see it like mocking, you know, like putting his chest out. It's like, who's afraid of you now, you know? Death, who's afraid of you now? And so I can see this. Medhi Dibaj is in heaven. He's like, he's mocking death. Death, I am not afraid of you. Humans can take my life, but I have, I, am, I have believed in the Lord who has been resurrected, and I too have been made alive again. The Apostle John talks about this new heaven and this new life that we have. In Revelation 21, he says, he's kind of giving a picture of what heaven's like. He says in verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The assumption is, is that people have been suffering, struggling, crying. When we get to heaven, that'll all be wiped away. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne, God himself, he who was seated on the throne is said, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. The old is gone, the new has come. Gone our hospital waiting rooms. Gone our tear-stained divorce papers. Gone our motionless ultrasounds. Foreclosure notices are gone. Wheelchairs are gone. Because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no more loneliness. There's no more abuse. There's no more cancer. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. We even sang that song. It's gone. My sins are gone. Right? He's going to put an end to this. Everything is going to be brand new. And that's why we celebrate Easter. Amen? That's why we celebrate Easter, because my sins are dead and gone. Hallelujah. But if we're honest, I think many of us might say, well, that's great news, Rich. That's great news that, you know, I'm excited that one day, one day it'll all be gone. Yeah, for sure. One day everything will be new. That's really good. One day. But what about right now? Like, like, no more tears one day? Great. But my heart's broken today. My heart's broken right now. Right. I mean, no more loneliness. That's fantastic. But, but I wish I was married. I've been wanting to be married and I'm not married. No more tears. No more pain. No more heartache. No more suffering. Yeah, that's great, Rich. But... Man, if you look around, there's so much pain, there's so much suffering, there's so much hurt. I mean, we could use a little bit of what's going to be one day, we could use a little bit of that right now. I want you to imagine it this way. Imagine that you get a phone call this week. It's going to be a good phone call. You get a, good, a phone call this week from an attorney. And this attorney calls you and says, hey, is this Mr., I'm going to use my name because I want this to happen to me. Um, is this, is this Rich Green? Richard Green? I'm going to guess this is Richard Green. He says, hey, um, I'm attorney so-and-so, and I'm calling on behalf of somebody, I don't even know this person, who is a, a long-lost distant relative of yours. And he just won the $700 million lottery jackpot. 
and he's decided to give every one of his living relatives a million dollars. The phone would drop for me, you know. I'd be so excited. I'd look at the bills. I'd breathe this sigh of relief. Oh, man, yes, thank you. Bills are going to get paid. I don't have to worry about anything, right? But then the attorney continues on and says, and so he's, congratulations, Rich, you got a million dollars, you know. Now, let me just make some points clear here, though. Um, he has chosen not to take, he's chosen not to take the lump sum option, and instead he's chosen to take the annuity option. And so he's going to get 20, because he needs $19 million a year to live on. He's going to take $20 million a year for the next 26 years, and he's going to give a million dollars to each one of his relatives once a year. Because he needs $19 million to live each year. And because, Rich, you know, you're kind of like distant relative of his, <laughs> uh, you, you're not going to get it till you're 23. Now, when I hear that, that kind of changes the way I hear the news, doesn't it? Like, it was great if I got it tomorrow. 23, I mean, right now, I'm looking at a stack of bills that need to be paid now, not 23 years from now. It changes the way we see things. And I wonder if that's now often how we feel when we come to church Maybe an Easter service like this, and you're so pumped up. The worship's great. You hear a message about new, and you're so excited. And then you get in your car, and you drive home. And by the time you get home, you've already had an argument with your spouse. And then the kids are asking for this. And then you, you realize you've got to go to work tomorrow, and you hate work. And you get this realization of the present, and you're just overwhelmed with the right now. And so what have I told you? That the message of Easter is not new one day. What have I told you? The message of Easter actually is new begins now. Like right now. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. So Jesus died for us and if we receive this life that he's given us, we no longer live for ourselves. We live for a higher purpose. Instead, they will live for, the, for Christ who died and was raised for them. Then he kind of explains himself a little bit more in verse 17. He says, this means, talking about what he said earlier, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And the old life, the old life is gone and the new life has begun. He doesn't say a new life will begin. He says the new life has begun. It has begun. So the promise of Easter is not just new life one day. It's new life begins right now. And if we get this, if we understand this, it changes our perspective. It changes how we live. It changes the things that we're afraid of. Like if you know that you have this life now and that death has no sting in your life, then what should you fear? You should fear nothing. So Mehdi Dibaj, when he died, um, that's not when his new life began. His new life began 45 years earlier when he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he was living that new life. You see, when we become a Christian, it's a new life. But here's the problem. And this is a tension that we live in. 
you have this new life. And that new life is not someday, one day. That new life is right now. But here's the tension. The tension is we still live in this old world. And that's really the dilemma that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you face every day of your life. How do I live this new life that has been given to me and promised to me in this old world that I'm living in? Like you want to live for Jesus, you want to give it all, but then, and then you commit yourself to the church, but then you're surrounded. But everything, all the old that you left behind, you're surrounded by that. And you're reminded over and over and over again that it's all around you. And so we live in this tension. I, th- I was thinking this week as I was kind of thinking about this message, I was thinking, what is the one thing that the resurrection gives us that would help us to live this new life in this old world? Like, what's the one thing? There's a lot of things that we get from the resurrection. But I think the one thing that we get from the resurrection that would help us live this new life in the old world is new power. There's new power available to us from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know if you noticed this. Have you ever done this where you, you're kind of walking and you cross somebody and it, that you know? You might have known them. You might even know their name. And you say, hey, how's it going? Typically, when they respond to that, they'll say, oh, fine, good, right? We're not really being honest when, we, when people ask us, how's it going as we're passing by? Now, partly it's because we don't really want to get into an awkward conversation. Like, you don't want to say, hey, how's it going? And the person says, I can't pay my bills. And you're like, oh, okay, okay, sorry. Let's keep walking. You know, what do you do? You have to stop and talk, right? So we, we kind of just, yeah, we don't really want to be honest at that moment. But if we were really honest, right? If we were really honest, there'd be a lot of other things that we would say. Well, statistically, what most people would say when they're really honest about this question, how are you doing? Most people statistically will tell us they're tired. They're worn out. They're exhausted. Whether they're tired physically because of their work, whether they're tired in their marriage relationship just trying to make that marriage work, whether they're tired of trying to raise small kids, whether they're tired of just not having enough money to pay all the bills. I mean, they're just tired. They're worn out. In fact, our economy reflects that. Do you realize in 2020, last year, in 2020, we spent, in the American economy, we spent $3.7 billion on energy drinks alone. Not, Not million, billion dollars on energy drinks alone. Five-hour energy, monster, rock star bank. Some of you, you probably take it all the time. Some of you should have taken it before you came to church this morning. Just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) I don't mind energy drinks. I really don't. But if we were honest, I think the reason why we do that is because we're trying to, we're trying to, to energize something that is just worn out, tired. We're trying to find energy. We're trying to make it through the day. We're trying to power up for the day. But here's what we know. There's no energy drink that's going to give you the power to forgive the person who cheated you out of that childhood, out of your innocence, out of that marriage that you were in. There's no energy drink that's going to help you overcome that. There's no energy drink that's going to give you the power to stop gambling or stop using, stop lusting, stop spending. There's no drink that's going to give you the power to just get through, get through the divorce, get through this pandemic. 
You see, in this world, there's no power that's truly going to be able to satisfy you. There's not. But through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have power. Power looks a little bit different because here's the deal. Our assumption is that if we have this power, then we will cruise through life with no problems whatsoever. That's not how it works. There's nobody in human history has ever been able to go through life like that. But what happens is that we do face challenges, we do face difficulties, but we have a power that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ that allows us to overcome those challenges as we go. That's the power that's given to us in, this, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. He says, <clears throat> I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Now, Paul's writing 2,000 years ago. He's writing to the Ephesian church, okay? And he writes this. This is an actual letter that he wrote to the Ephesian church. But I want you to understand that God's word actually transcends just history. It's not just meant to be for the Ephesians. Actually, God uses this for us. So I want you to try to think of this way, that the Apostle Paul is actually talking to us right now. He says, I pray, Life Church, those of you here, I pray, Life Church, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. Like, they believe in him, but they're not fully understanding or embracing God's power, the greatness of God's power. And that is possible. That is possible for us who are followers of Jesus Christ to not fully understand that there's a power that will help us overcome in this world. That will help us to not be afraid when pandemics come. This is what Paul's telling us. So my prayer for you is that you would know the power of the resurrection in your life right now. My prayer for you is that you would not just simply make it through life, that you would just simply get through, you know, some, some, that, you, that you would simply just cope, but that you will live in the power and experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ right now. My prayer for you is new life begins right now. That's the resurrection that's why we make a big deal about Easter. That's why there was probably three times as many people here today than there have been in the past several weeks. Because Easter's a big deal. But it's a big deal not because it's just a, a marker on a calendar once a year. It's a big deal because there is a power available to you and me who believe in him. And so God gives us this no questions asked guaranteed. I know, as I was writing this down, God gives us this guarantee for eternal life, for new life now. And I, what I do, and I do this actually as an exercise, what I do when I'm preaching is I try to imagine uh, you out there, me sitting back there, you asking the question after I say what I just said, the statement that I make, like saying, oh, really? Like, like me? Really, Rich? Like me? Like, you know, Rich, do you realize what I just did last night, the sin? You know, I was just, I was, I was cruising the websites last night. It was not good. You realize that, Rich? Rich, do you realize the mess I've made of my marriage, the horrible, evil things I've done to my wife? Certainly, this guarantee doesn't apply to me. Rich, do you realize that I just 
I've got this addiction. I can't break it. I've tried and tried. I just can't break it. And so I hide. I come to church, but I hide it. Nobody knows. Certainly that guarantee doesn't apply to me. And I'm telling you that the gospel tells us, the message of Christ tells us, that it's a no questions asked guarantee. That you could take in what's broken, what's no good, what's even lifeless. And God takes it and he exchanges it for something brand new. That's what he does. In fact, the whole story of Lazarus coming back to life again in John chapter 11 where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The whole story is just about that, exactly. That even when a person is dead in the grave, when it's hopeless, when there is no more hope, no more possible hope, there is still hope. There is still hope. There's still hope for you right now. I know some of you are sitting here right now and you've been telling yourself it is hopeless. There is no chance for me. I'm just going to go through the motion, sit through this church service, and that's it. And I'm telling you right now, you could walk out these doors brand new. Brand new. Amen. So let's stand. We're going we're gonna to pray. <clears throat> and my prayer for you is that as I'm praying, If you assent to this thing that maybe God has given you this no questions asked guarantee and that he wants to do that for you today. If you would say to yourself, I want to walk out these doors brand new. I want this old life to be gone. I'm so tired of it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, I'm, ask, I'm just going to ask you in your own words to have this conversation with God. And just tell God, God... I want a brand new life. I need a brand new life. I need you, God, in my life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your loving kindness. We thank you, Father, that you sent your son to die on a cross so that we could have new life. But it's not new life one day, someday. It's a new life right now. And there are some in this room, Father, who have never experienced that maybe have never asked you, Jesus, to come into their life and they've never really taken their old and exchanged it for something new. So God, I'm asking you right now to speak to each and every heart. And for those in this room, Father, who are for the very first time having this conversation with you about trading in the old for new, God, I just pray that your spirit will so invade their hearts and they will, they will feel and sense your presence like they've never sensed it before that you are capable of forgiving, of forgiving them of every sin that they have ever committed. It's all gone. And it's been replaced with something new. We thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. We thank you, Father, that we have an opportunity to cry out to you, that you hear us and you answer us. In Jesus' name.